Jake Podcast, episode 40, the NFL Free Agency Primer. With me this episode, I have a very special guest of the Browns Note Podcast, Brendan Leister. Brendan, how are we doing today, man? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Uh, really awesome. I, I was coming into free agency period, not really knowing what to expect from the Browns, and uh, turns out John Dorsey loves making trades and kind of got ahead of the ball. So I uh, want to talk about these trades a little bit because I'm pretty excited right now about really the amount they spent to get the talent that they did. Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, so like we'll start with Tyrod Taylor. They traded their third-round pick, which was their sixth pick in the draft. I think it was a really good value, especially when you look at what these quarterbacks are signing for and the fact that you know, A.J. McCarron would have been a lot more expensive in the regular season, wanted some big money, and Tyrod Taylor is like the best of both worlds and a better quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Actually, look, looking back at the market, um, kind of the guys that were available after the season, I think Tyrod probably was maybe the second out of the realistic guys for the Browns besides Alex Smith. But it seems like Alex Smith didn't really want to take that one-year deal to be a stopgap while that rookie quarterback sits on the bench for a year and then takes over probably in year two. Tyrod, he's on, on a one-year deal, so there's no real pressure for him to uh, you know stick around long-term and compete with that rookie. He can just play one year and then kind of get out of there, move the rookie in, kind of like Mahomes and Alex Smith last year with – with them trading him so yeah I, I agree there I think uh, and with him being on the one-year deal right now Tyrod he has something to prove he can't just sit back and collect money he wants another uh, you know contract in the NFL so I think he's gonna be giving the Browns a whole lot this season and they got him pretty good targets you know Josh Gordon seems to be back for real this time and they went out and traded for Jarvis Landry who you know, listeners of this podcast know how big of a fan of Jarvis Landry I am because he just catches a ton of balls. He is a target machine. He doesn't always get the best yards per catch and isn't really the most efficient receiver, but I'm a really big fan because we need guys that get the ball, and he does that. He's one of the best in the league at it. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, re- I'm excited to see him play next to Josh Gordon. Um, he really catches everything that the quarterback throws to him, so... It's a really good security blanket underneath, especially. Quarterback doesn't have to be quite as accurate as he may have to be with some other receivers at times. And then also, I think that, you know, he's getting kind of some flack from some places about his inefficiency and how many balls he caught versus how many yards he uh, accumulated. But at the same time, I think you have to consider that that was his role in Miami. That's the way that they used him. And maybe in another offense like this one he'll play, and in Cleveland, maybe they'll use him a little bit differently, let him attack the intermediate level of the field instead of just the short level, and maybe he'll be a little more efficient with his yards versus his catches in Cleveland. Yeah, I, that, that's another thing is, you know, what Todd Haley will bring to the field, you know, with him, uh, you know, because Jarvis Landry was, has only been in one offense, so we don't really know what to expect going into a brand new team. So he could be a completely different receiver. Hopefully they don't make him do – a whole lot different than what he's been doing because I think, you know, don't fix it if it ain't broken. He's really good in the intermediate uh, short level. So, you know, hey, but I think they're still going to get an outside receiver to compete with Corey Coleman on the outside 
and uh, let Landry work the middle with Njoku and Duke Johnson. Um, the third trade they did on Friday was Demarius Randall. Demarius Randall from Green Bay. Uh, they shipped out Deshaun Kaiser and did a couple swap picks with Green Bay. It sounds as though Randall's going to play free safety. I love the move. I think that was one of their biggest needs. And I like Randall a lot because of the versatility he brings. They can still draft a cornerback or a free safety in the draft. It allows a lot of versatility and a lot of scheme fits going into the April. Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited about um, the way. I think that they're going to probably upgrade the defensive line as well. And the thing that I look forward to with that is more pass rush is going to equal more balls that are going to be thrown inaccurately, maybe some more overthrows. And when you have a rangy guy like Demarius Randall on the back end, I think when you look back to how he played in college at Arizona State, you know, those errant passes turn into a lot of interceptions for him. He had six picks, I believe, in two years at Arizona State. And then in his three seasons in the NFL so far, he has 10 interceptions. Uh, with the Packers, he also has, I believe, like 32 pass breakups as well. So he always gets his hands on the ball. He was really up and down as a corner. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they use him as a free safety. Hopefully he's not quite as deep as Peppers was last year with the 25 or right. however many yards deep it was consistently. But I think he's a much better fit for that system. And I think he's excited to play free safety as well. Well, that was another thing was the, you know, the Greg Williams system this year. If anyone watched any Browns games, you watch the defense and you know that they have talented players, but the schemes and the just where everyone was lining up was a big head scratcher. You know, middle linebacker Joe Schobert was a pro bowler, but he was constantly lining up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Jabril Peppers, you know, insert Cleveland area high school here is where he was lining up. Uh... And not to mention the corners gave so much buffer room on every route that any good offensive coordinator will know, listen, we can get seven yards every play on just, you know, any route we want, basically. So I think going into it, Greg Williams is going to have to change things if we really want to get the most out of these guys we're adding on defense, or it's really not going to make much of a difference because as good as any cornerback is, if you line him up eight yards off the ball, it, he's already in a hole. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the interior coverage guys in those zones, they were also spot dropping a lot. So you would see like a running back go out to the flat and Kirksey, you know, he's always been a great cover linebacker, but I think they were teaching him to drop into, you know, drop into a hole and cover grass instead of covering the running back moving out in the flat. So then, you know, you have a running back out in space with the ball in his hands and that's a tough tackle to make sometimes. So those led to some bigger plays on those short passes than it should have been. I would just like to see more of, you know, getting hands on number two when he runs up the seam, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Just being more physical with guys at the line. Hopefully, maybe if they can upgrade the talent in the back four, I should say, because I don't think they'll really touch the, the linebackers much. But if they can upgrade the, backs, the back four or five, even if you add the nickel in there, because that's an important position as well, especially in passing league. Um, if you upgrade that talent, hopefully Greg Williams will have a little more confidence in his players and maybe he'll adjust because the only hope at this point if they have that scheme is just to get such consistent, quick pressure on the quarterback that the scheme on the back end doesn't even matter. And I, I just don't even think that's realistic. Yeah, yeah. And so speaking of upgrading the back four or five, there was a lot of talk of the Browns maybe bringing in Bashad Breeland, Tremaine Johnson, uh insert any D back here that that was like kind of the popular thing coming in and all these guys are getting swat, you know 
swooped up right now. Tremaine Johnson has agreed to a deal with the Jets. Uh, Breland's looking like he's going to the Carolina Panthers. I know nothing can be finalized until tomorrow afternoon anyway. Uh, but for now, it looks like the Browns may have missed out on the bigger targets. But I'm okay with that because I think D-back is a really strong area in the draft. I've been saying it since January that I'd like to see them get either Minka Fitzpatrick. I'd love the idea of Denzel Ward. Or if you wanted to draft a guy with 33, move up from 33. I think there's a lot to still to do and you don't have to spend $13 million on a cornerback to do it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I'm sure that there's more corners still available. Like if you look at last year, they did find Jason McCourty pretty late and that Mm -hmm. was a pretty strong signing for them. So I think there's still some options out there. They still might make a few trades. I know that there's still like two or three guys that they kind of have on the block right now. So we're just kind of waiting to see what happens with those guys. But yeah, I agree. Um, I think that Fitzpatrick could definitely be an option. Um, I would prefer to see them try him at corner first and foremost if they're yeah. going to take him at four because it's just too high to take a guy and just immediately put him at safety, especially a guy like him who is at his best near the line of scrimmage. He played mostly um, nickel. He played a little bit of strong safety as well, so he's not really used to a true free safety role. So mm-hmm. I think you try to project him to corner if you take him. Denzel Ward. Potentially. I mean, he had a great combine. He's a great player. Um, any Ohio State fan can attest to that. He had a great career. Uh, he he actually rotated in with Marshawn Lattimore last year, who was the, uh, the defensive, defensive rookie, rookie of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then I think the name that people aren't really giving enough, uh, enough credit to, or they're not talking about enough, is Dur- Derwin James. I think he's in that mix at four. I think um, I, I know that most people would probably be surprised if they took him there, but I could see it happening if if um, if there's a quarterback run early in the draft, especially. Um, I could see them potentially moving down with the Jets, maybe if the Jets want to move up to four and jump the Broncos, and then Browns would be at six at that point. Maybe they would target James there, but I think if they think he's the best, most impactful defensive back on the border at that point, I could see it because I know some really smart people who have studied him a ton that think he's the best man-to-man press defensive back in the draft. Um, when he when he's covered the slot at times at Florida State. He was extremely sticky in man coverage. He didn't give up much separation. And I know he tested out of his mind at the combine. So he's got all those tools. I know people question the effort, but a lot of times he was lining up as a deep safety. I think in college sometimes when you're a safety, you're kind of away from the ball a lot with all the short, quick passes, the bubbles. So if you put him more in a press man situation, maybe he would give maximum effort every play. He would be more engaged and Maybe he could have kind of a similar transition to how Jalen Ramsey did just a year later in the NFL instead of transitioning in his last year of college like Ramsey did. Yeah, and the other thing about that is, you know, whether it's safety or cornerback that these guys fit at, Demarius Randall has, you know, uh, experience on the outside of corner. So I, I like that's why I like that trade so much is that it allows them the versatility to possibly go after guys that might be might be better fit elsewhere and then we just be able to mess around with that a little bit and not to mention there are plenty of cornerbacks outside of number four you know it seems as though that 33 and 35 in in my mind would be best used on a d-back if they don't go d-back at four and a running back i really like the running backs this year a lot of people have been mentioning you know saquon at one brown's next best quarterback at four which 
I hate that. I know a lot of people. I like the theory. I understand, like, oh, if you if you love three quarterbacks, you can have one of them. I'm like, I understand that, but this isn't Madden. This isn't like we're playing with a video game. You're picking the franchise QB. This is a franchise that's only taken one quarterback in the top 20 in the last like 30 years or so. It's been way too long. They've just kept on passing the buck at quarterback. I think they need to take their guy at one. I, I think Barkley's great, but I think what you got to do is realize, hey, there are other good running backs in this draft. It's a replaceable position. Quarterback, you have to just decide which one is yours. At this point, I don't even care which quarterback it is as long as they make up their minds on one. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. They absolutely have to take the quarterback at one. They need to show the conviction. They can't let these other teams pick their guy for them. That's yeah. absolutely asinine. You decide which guy is the best. You build the offense around him once he becomes the starter, and you roll with it for the next five-plus years. I mean, you you hope that this is your guy for ten years. You don't just hope for four or five or whatever it is. So, you know, especially in the situation where they're in now where they have Tyrod Taylor in place, he can just – he can play. He takes care of the football. They can win some games this year, build the culture a little bit. And I think Taylor is a great guy for the quarterback room as well. So that'll be really good. Um, my t- my favorite quarterback in the class is Sam Darnold. I just really like what he brings to the table. I think he has huge upside. Um, I think he's he's probably working out most of the kinks that he had with his mechanics right now with Jordan Palmer. Palmer does great work with quarterbacks. He he worked with Deshaun Watson last year. A lot of people had questions about Watson, and then he came in guns ablazing, uh, tearing up the NFL early last season. Um, I just I really like Darnold. I think he will end up being the pick at one. But like you said, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with Rosen. I wouldn't be as happy with the other guys at one. I definitely don't like the idea of taking Barkley at one and waiting for a quarterback at four because this is such a great running back class. Mm-hmm. It's arguably the most talented that I can – I mean, definitely that I can remember. I mean, there's just so much talent in this draft. I, I'm convinced that the Browns could honestly – wait to take a running back until that fourth round pick that they have and they could find a solid player that would that would complement Duke Johnson fine that could run inside and do the things that they need him to do they don't even necessarily need to take one in the second round I think the only reason that we're talking about that so much is because it's clearly a neat position with Crowell leaving mm-hmm. and also because the talent there just looks so great you know if if Geis is there at 33 or Sony Michelle or yeah. Nick Chubb I mean there's just so many names there but but I'm convinced that the team could wait and there could be some great talents there in the fourth round too. But um, like what you said about, yeah, defensive back would be great. I think in the second round running back is definitely an option. It doesn't look like offensive line as much of one now, now that they signed uh, Hubbard and now that they signed Stevenson, those signings just happened within the past hour or so. But, uh, but I thought that might be an option before. And then I think defensive line is definitely something they need to uh, build up as well. Mm-hmm. I um so I I I love the running back class like you you know Geis Michelle I do agree that they could wait to the fourth I just don't want to wait that long because I have like Superman crushes on Geis and Michelle and I just have keep on thinking in my mind like man there it is right there but you know you look at John Dorsey's track record he isn't known to be taking a running back at one he likes to be able to find these guys later in these drafts. And, you know, Kareem Hunt was a third-round pick. Uh, if you look at what the Saints did with Kamara, he was a third-round pick too. The value, and I understand not every pick is based on value, but 
the value at running back can be had much later. And as good as Barkley's going to be, and he's going to be great for somebody. He's going to maybe he falls to seven to like the the Buccaneers, and he's awesome there forever for eight nine years, and they're happy. But I I think there are just too many holes for the Browns at four to be taking a running back that they can be getting later. Uh, I I do like the fourth round guys too. Like there are guys like Royce Freeman that might be there who's really good, and you know even who knows how high Nick Chubb is going to go. I think some people are higher on him than I am. But after the combine, he looked great as long as he stays healthy. Uh, but I, I agree with you, and I think uh, the line is another one where you didn't really want to address it early on, so they did it in free agency. I like Chris Hubbard. I think he's pretty good, and it at least would look like, at the very least, competition along the line. Um Donald Stevenson, he was there for Dorsey in Kansas City. Hubbard was in Pittsburgh with Todd Haley, so they at least have connections to these guys in the past. It's not like they're picking up guys they've never seen before. So uh, what do you think about Chris Smith, the defensive lineman they picked up, and does this maybe fill a need, or do they need to keep going with D-line? I think it fills a need for them because they had a tremendous need last season for interior pass rush, like especially on pass downs. Um, the only time that they really got much of an interior push was either when they brought Miles Garrett inside over a guard to three technique, and then he would just dominate, similar to how he did on his first uh, play yeah. of his career, actually, where he had that sack against against the Jets. Um, and then when Ogun Joby, if he would be someone, you know, he's kind of raw with his pass rush moves, but he, he showed some big time flashes last year as a rusher as well. But for the most part, their interior pass rush was non-existent. Um, I think that's a huge reason why they decided to trade Shelton because he brings so little as a pass rusher and they okay. want guys that can penetrate in the backfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Smith, I know that prior to his time in Cincinnati, he hadn't had a ton of success. Um, he, was mostly rushing from the edge at that point. And I know he's a really stiff athlete. So the Bengals, they would line him up in this really weird stance. I saw um, my friend Justice Mosqueda on Twitter. He was tweeting out some images where uh, Chris Smith actually, he lines up like one yard off the ball sometimes on yeah. his pass down. They I saw a couple inside. of your retweets, yeah. yeah. They move him inside to defensive tackle, and, and he's really undersized. I think he's 260, 270 pounds, but – but he rushes inside against guards, and he, he actually had a decent amount of success last year. So I think he does fill a need for them. But at the same time, I think it's not something I'm going to count on right now. Like I'm not penciling him into the sub package and being like, oh, this is our go-to three technique and sub package. I mean, if Nick Chubb is the or if Bradley Chubb is there at four, I'm still extremely interested in that. I think... He's probably the best defensive player in the draft. You bring him in. I love Agba. I love Garrett. But you upgrade the sub package. You keep building it up. You want to be able to move these guys around. Like you mentioned with the secondary, you want versatility yeah. on defense. I mean, if you can, if there's one week where you think Garrett can absolutely eat this guard's lunch, then maybe you move him inside over the guard that week. Or if there's a week where... You know, you think that Chubb could do it just because of matchups and the way yeah. that the different guys play. I mean, I want the kind of defensive line like like Jacksonville has, like the Eagles have now. I mean, the yeah. Eagles had the best pass rush in the league. They had like 300 and some pressures, which was, I think, twice as much as the Browns maybe. I mean, it was – Browns were last. The Eagles were first by a lot in the whole league. And they continued to upgrade their pass rush. They just brought in Michael Bennett. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the Giants a few years ago when they won the Super Bowls. I just – I, I really would like them to 
build that kind of a defensive front because that's the kind of thing that can create a sustainable, successful plan for you. And, and these guys are all cheap, too, if you bring them in in the draft. So I'm extremely in- interested in Bradley Chubb. I'm also extremely interested in uh, Maurice Hurst if he yeah, ends Mo up being Hurst healthy. Good, yeah. um, I, just, I want athletic, penetrating guys to get up the field, make plays in the backfield, the run game, and get after the quarterback as well. It's just I want to see more of that. Even with the Chris Smith signing, it's nice. But if that guy ends up being depth where someone gets injured and he has to play, that's great too. But I don't really want to count on him 100% at this point. Sure. We sound like we – think the same exact way. I was an offensive lineman in college, so I can appreciate trenches uh, more at least than the outside and the deep ball. So when it comes to depth, I'd rather have it at pass rusher than at cornerback. You know, a couple weeks ago, I did a poll question. I said, would you rather have two menacing DNs or two like ball or not ball hawking, but shut down corners? And for me, it's always the DNs because I think a really great pass rush can cover up your D-backs so much more than really good D-backs can cover up a a bad pass rush. So if Bradley Chubb was there at four, that also feels like a a pick that could go Dorsey's way. He's drafted linemen, D-linemen, offensive linemen, and quarterbacks in the first round. It seems like that is kind of his mo. He won't draft a running back there, and I think Bradley Chubb would fit it more because... A, it covers you because of injury. You're right with Chris Smith. Is If there's an injury injury to Ogba again, Bradley Chubb and, and Garrett are starting. Or if there's an injury to Garrett, you know, Chubb and Ogba. You know what I mean? And they still have depth. It's the one area where, you know, it's great to have depth in the D-backs. But if you have a pass rush that just you keep on cycling in these really good players and you keep on, like you said, the sub-packages, you know, third and 12 and you have Miles Garrett on your guard, that's really tough. I mean... And this is something that the Browns hadn't had before, and it just upgrades them in so many other ways. I would love that. I I am all for Bradley Chubb at four, the defensive end out of NC State. But then again, as long as they go QB at one, I'm all for a lot of things right now. And that's just the one thing I have. I think they've done a good job in acquiring talent that it was going to be hard to find, you know, like bridge quarterback or slot ride receiver. I think... This would be just as long as they go QB at one, I'm okay. And so before I let you go, though, I do want to talk quarterbacks in the draft. I know you said Darnold's your one. Mayfield has been my guy. Uh, I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan just because of the way he plays the position. I think on the field, he's the best quarterback. Is there something I'm missing? You're not as big as a fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as big a fan. I do like his skills. I think there's a lot to like about him. But I think mm-hmm. coming that, from that offense, you know, I I was lucky this year. I got some access to all 22 for the first time of these college prospects. In the past, I wasn't really privy to that. You know, I had yeah. to watch the broadcast view like most people. And the thing with his offense that I noticed, and it's such a stark con- contrast from what Darnold's dealing with at USC and what, what Rosen's dealing with at UCLA, is Mayfield just has – you know, three wide open receivers every play, four wide open receivers. I mean, it, it is mm-hmm. amazing what that offense does to scheme guys open. And I give him a lot of credit for his mastery of the scheme, you know, because he, he takes chances when he needs to, and he's very crafty with the way that he plays. But you kind of see a quarterback back there that's throwing to wide open guys. He doesn't really have to play with great timing. He's not making a ton of 
anticipatory throws. Like there's times where even on a, like a simple slant flat concept, like one of the most simple concepts that like high school, you know, you'll run in high school. Sometimes he'll, he'll wait to throw the slant until the, <clears throat> until the uh, receiver is all the way into the safety sometimes. So he's not consistently executing these routes on time, but because of the way that guys are wide open and the way that he gets time from his offensive line sometimes, um, I think the numbers kind of get inflated a little bit. And another thing is he had the most efficient run game in college football as well. I mean, when you watch him on All-22, they're playing against a really, really bad defense. And yeah. the scheme is really incredible. And I, I do like the skills. He's got a strong arm. He, um, he does a good job of moving around inside-outside structure at times. I think it's definitely more of a flash thing with him, like moving around, evading the pass rush and stuff. Cause there's times like in the Georgia game where he was very poor at that, I would say. And he sure. kind of runs himself into some sacks sometimes holding the ball. But uh, yeah, at this point I would probably put him behind Darnold Rosen, very close with Lamar Jackson, but I would probably give Lamar Jackson the edge for me at this okay. point. But I do like Mayfield. I think this is a great quarterback class compared to most of the ones that I can remember. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember a year where I felt pretty good about four guys. Mm -hmm. There's just not not many like that. I mean, last year I felt really good about two guys. It was Mahomes and Watson. Um, so, yeah, it's not that I hate Mayfield. I just think that um, – there's some extra context that the All-22 kind of shows that sure. maybe people don't see quite as much when they just watch him, you know, casually on a Saturday or they bring up the stats. Yeah, I, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to say you're wrong in any of that area. I need to check out some All-22s because it sounds like that's something I need to see. Uh, I do understand that Mayfield has his limitations and that there are things that made him look better. And the biggest thing I have with the quarterback, whoever it is this year, if it's Darnold, if it's Mayfield, if it's Rosen, the offense needs to prepare for that quarterback. And that's the one thing that Deshaun Watson was so good at last year, is that Bill O'Brien built an offense that was going to make Deshaun Watson comfortable. And he was performing well in an offense that was fit to him. And I said this every Sunday because Deshaun Kaiser was playing in an offense that they were asking him to do things that he wasn't comfortable doing. They weren't helping him out at all. The Jets game was one that stuck out to me because he was like, yes, he was committing turnovers, but you shouldn't be having him do rollouts on the three-yard line. you know. And there were just a lot of times last year that I said, you know, Hugh Jackson, I don't know if he'd be doing the same for Deshaun Watson. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't, but that's not even important anymore. What's important is whatever quarterback that comes in, Todd Haley develops an offense around these QBs. I kind of think Baker Mayfield pl would play the same way that Tyrod Taylor would. Um, obviously, everyone likes to point out that Lamar Jackson is like the freak athlete. And I'm I'm starting to come around to the Lamar Jackson number one pick. I, As long as they are prepared to develop an offense around this quarterback, I'm cool with any of these guys. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I, I think that... Whoever they take at one, you know, Darnold's my guy. I think, I think the Haley connection is is kind of interesting because he did coach a quarterback in Pittsburgh who plays a similar game. I know Ben Roethlisberger is mm -hmm. a lot bigger than Darnold, but yeah. the way that they move around the pocket, the way that they can thrive inside and outside structure is pretty reminiscent of each other. I know a lot of people make Romo comparisons with Darnold. I think because he is a little smaller than some of the guys that he plays like, like. Okay. 
Um, I've kind of compared him to Luck, but Luck is clearly a bigger, more athletic guy. Roethlisberger, same way. But I think those are kind of the kind of guys that he's he plays like. I don't think they're really going to draft based on Taylor's skill set. I know that you weren't implying that, but mm-hmm. um, I, I have seen some people imply that, and I think that would be extremely misguided because Taylor is only around for one year. I mean, yeah. he was the best stopgap that they could get for that third-round pick. So he'll, he'll only be around one year. You're definitely not trying to build a long-term offense around his skill set. If you think about what Kansas City did last year, that would have been extremely misguided for them to draft someone based off Alex Smith's skill set for the long point. term. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you see what Kansas City did. So they, they adapted to Alex Smith's skill set this past year especially. He had a career year. They traded him. And now they're going to adapt to Mahomes' skill set. And I'm really excited to see him play. I think Houston did a great job with Watson, like you mentioned. Yeah. Sean McVay did a great job with Goff. Oh, yeah. And the Eagles have done the best job in the NFL, in my opinion, with Wentz. Because, to be honest, I know a lot of people liked him, but I was not the biggest fan of Wentz. And I think that Flip and uh, and Reek, or is it Reek or Reich? Is it, which one Reich. is it? Frank Reich, yeah. Reich? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank Reich, yeah. And, uh, and also Doug Peterson. I mean, they've all done a great job with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. So that is really the key. It's the situation. And I do agree Deshaun or Deshaun Kaiser was in a very poor situation last year being, you know, he didn't have a real veteran presence in that QB room. It was just him. And he threw the ball down the field so much. Like, I don't know if it was by design or his, his decisions, but clearly that was not a winning formula formula as we saw on the field. I was never a huge fan of his, and I wasn't surprised by the results, but still, he, he's in a much better situation now in Green Bay. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's, uh, I, I wish him the best of luck, too. I really liked how there were, he. I mean, you know, he went 0-15 as the quarterback of the Browns, and he constantly put things on his own shoulders. He always, you know, after losses, he said, I need to perform better. He would never throw the head coach under the bus, even though at some times the head coach kind of threw him under the bus, which we're both shaking our heads at that. But regardless, it's a it's a brighter day in Cleveland. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Going towards the draft, I'm going to have to get you on before the Browns select. I think it'd be a great uh, opportunity to have a deeper conversation after all these pro days come in. Before you go, is there any last Browns tidbits we could be looking forward to in the next 48, 36 hours, something like that? Yeah, I'm really interested to see if they pick up a running back. I know that some people have been talking about them picking up a veteran. Um, I don't think that'll take them out of the running back market at all in the draft. I mean, if they just spend a few million dollars a year on a veteran running back, you look at some of the teams that are having success around the league, um, like the Eagles, for example, they come to mind. You know, they have Blunt, they had Ajayi, they also had Corey Clement, Mm -hmm. they have Sproles on their roster. I mean, they have a whole bunch of guys that play a role, and – I think we could definitely see the Browns having three guys that are decent. Jacksonville's another team that comes to mind. They had Fournette. They had Ivory. They also have um, TJ Yeldon. So I think we could see the Browns probably pick up a corner here soon and then also pick up a running back and then still draft one probably or draft both positions probably on day two or early day three come draft time. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Brendan, for coming on. Brendan Leister of Browns Note Podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you to Brendan Leister for coming on the podcast. Uh, loved having him on. I thought that was a great segment for the Cleveland Browns fans out there. 
and uh, he has a lot of insight. Gotta love, uh, gotta love a good Browns combo, especially this time of year. Uh, and definitely have him on before draft season. All right, so before I let you go, uh, I'm gonna do a couple quick segments, and then we're out of here. All right, one minute remove your review of Black Panther starting right now. Loved it. I thought it was one of the best Marvel movies out there. It's going to be, I mean, they're setting up nicely to, for him to take over as kind of like the main guy. It made all the money at the box office, so everyone's going to want to go back for a second and third Black Panther movie. Not really sure of the whole origin of, of Black Panther and, and who are the other bad guys because they kind of set up to you know have to deal with new bad guys there, but I, it, I thought it was great. It was a really cool story. Uh, I, I think Chadwick Boseman's like always great. I mean, he's always getting really big roles and, and it was an awesome movie. It's a straight up 10 out of 10 for me. And since they're moving away from Iron Man, from Thor, from Captain America, none, none of them are going to have standalone movies anymore. They're going to need someone to step up and, and this is a perfect opportunity for them. And I think, uh, Black Panther's going to be the right choice there. So one minute movie review, 10 out of 10. Black Panther. All right. Before we end this, maybe one more segment. We're going to do top five. You know, going through the draft. Actually, no. Before we get to top five, uh, coming up this weekend is the NCAA tournament. Last weekend, I went to the Big East tournament with a couple friends of mine and had a really awesome time. Uh, I love going to Big East every year. Uh, I always get to the semifinal game. And this year, we had... uh, Xavier and Providence, which was a great game, and then also Villanova blowout Butler, which was a bad game. But usually you go one for two there. You get two games for the price of one, a couple beers beforehand. My friend Chris does a great pizza tour in New York, so we hit up a couple pizza spots, and everything was great. Uh, I got to run into some family. My cousins, Brian and Julie, went to Xavier. They're big fans. They came into the city for it, met up with them afterwards for some drinks at a bar called Live Bait, which was, uh, I think it was right by Madison Park, and it was really cool because it had like, it was like a fishing theme, and you go inside and they have like fishing nets on the wall, and use like, uh, like fishing coolers and shit like that, it was, it was cool, it was like, you know, you go in New York, you just want to get a couple beers, find some place new, it's all good, and, uh, and yeah, so the Big East tournament really had me gearing up for the NCAA tournament. This past week is was was great, you know, because that was the conference championship week when you get to see, you know, the smaller conferences like the NEAC and the MAAC and the Sun Belt and all of those teams kind of fighting for their like one last chance at the tournament. And I always think that's a lot of fun. The Thursday of the tournament is this Thursday, and that's always like probably one of the best sports days of the year right up there with like opening day and like master sunday it's you know all all the great sports days thursday of opening weekend in the ncaa tournament is by far the best in my book and i'm really excited for it i i i don't have like a single team i'm pulling for when it comes to college basketball i don't i don't have like a big team i uh i would have rooted for notre dame but they didn't make it. I think they got a little shafted because they're injured, and when they're healthy, they played well. But you know, they weren't healthy, so it's it's too bad. And then, uh, but I do like rooting for Princeton basketball. My dad 
you know, played football and rugby at Princeton, so, you know, we've grown up doing a lot of Princeton games, and uh, they didn't make it either, you know, so Penn represents the Ivy this year, so we'll see. Uh, I, I'm just rooting for upsets and good games and buzzer beaters because that's what I love sports for. I want to see, like, memorable moments, and, you know, it's not memorable when, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, and all the, you know, regulars win the big games, and I want to see a 16 beat a 1. I want to see you know, a huge comeback. I want to see 13s make the Sweet 16, all that. So with that coming up, I don't have any NCAA bracket busters for you. Um, I usually, if possible, pick the Ivy team to upset and get like a couple 12s in there. But I don't have any. I'm not good at the bracket, so I wouldn't trust my opinion anyway. But I will say this. Coming into my top five, Sounds in sports, this comes into play, all right? Top five sounds, right? When you hear it, it's your favorite sound in sport. Number five, to me, is a typical, like, swish of the basketball hoop. I think it's, you know, you can hear it from whether it's an empty gym or, like, a packed house in game seven. I think a swish, everyone knows it right from, like, being a kid. Nothing like being a swish. All right, number four. Hockey puck, hit, hockey puck, sorry, hockey puck hitting the post and going in. Another great one is just the hockey puck hitting the post. Got that clink, and it usually ends in a goal, which leads to a big crowd roar. But the puck hitting the post, my fourth favorite sound in sports. Number three, spring training. It's crack of the bat. Once you hear the bat hit the ball, sometimes you can be closing your eyes and you'll know if it's a home run or not. You can know if it's like a solid hit or if it's going to be a lazy ground ball or a pop-up. Something about a crack of the bat, especially this time of the year when we're back into baseball season. If you're rooting for a team like the Indians, where I'm really excited for them this year, crack of the bat goes very far in my book. Number two. This one is, uh, this one, it's a little specific to me, right? Okay, so it's the noise when an NFL draft pick goes in. You all know it, and I'll play for you right now. It's this. I mean, that to me is, it's it's it might be my favorite. I know it's very, you know, specific, and it's, you know, just a simple little jingle, but you guys know the draft is like my favorite thing in sports, and hearing that every time there's a pick in, you know, wherever it's in Philadelphia or Dallas this year, New York and the in Chicago in the past, I, I love the draft and that sound just always gets me geared up. Even when the Browns aren't picking, I just love, you know, the draft itself. So that's my second favorite, and it could be my first, but there's nothing like number one, which is a great crowd reaction. You know, whether it is the crack of the bat, the puck hitting the the post, or you know, a you know, a classic like swish at the buzzer or whatever. Oh, buzzer, that's a good one. Not in my top five sounds, but uh buzzer is a good one up there. But the crowd reaction, the crowd pop as you will, when you hear like just everyone gets it at the same time and the place loses their mind. I've been fortunate to experience a lot of really cool sports events. I went to a Clemson Florida State game, which was one of the loudest sports experiences I've ever been to. I uh, worked at Madison Square Garden and was up close to a lot of really fun Rangers finishes, and hockey games can be super loud. 
uh, they won one in overtime, which I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, it was just so loud. I could barely hear myself think. And then also just if you're just watching like a baseball game and it's a big strikeout in the playoffs or there's like a, a huge hit that comes up clutch, a baseball stadium losing their damn mind is always awesome. And a buzzer beater in basketball, it you know, in tournament time goes crazy. I was at Kemba Walker's Step Back J over Pittsburgh. That was another big one. Honestly, the, the list goes on and on. There's nothing like a crowd pop for me. It's one of my favorite simple pleasures in life. And it's my number one sound in sports, and I don't think it's actually very close. All right. So with that, I'll let you guys go. Going to next week, episode 41, maybe talk a little bit about the tournament, talk about Oklahoma's Pro Day. we got Baker Mayfield hitting it. I'm, I'm excited for that. A little more Browns coming up with the free agency finally hitting. And, you know, I just... As we approach, approach the draft, I will have a lot more top fives and player evaluations that will kick up next week. Thanks for tuning in to the, ja- the Jake. The Jack. Oh, my God. Error on Jake. Thanks for tuning in to the Jake. See you guys next week.